Welcome to the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. Please join us as we talk about the rare disease journey. We'll discuss the who, the what, and the why of rare diseases and the special needs community. We'll also reflect on the highs and lows of some of these awful conditions and how they affect us on a daily basis. We welcome you to the Rare Hour and just know you're not alone. Many of us out there are struggling just like you. So sit back and listen, cry, and laugh. Today on the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. Everybody, this is uh, Chris Falona, your podcast host for the best show on the planet, The Rare Hour with yours truly, Christopher Valona. This is the uh, recap show that everybody does, uh, so why not join in? It should be fun. This will be a recap of 2022, and uh, we're going to be discussing and uh, sharing uh, quite a different uh, bunch of things uh, collectively from all areas of our lives here at uh, Project Sebastian. We're going to touch base on, uh, you know, Sebastian's life, school, relationships, family, CSG, a little bit of addiction, and of course, some mental health. I'm going to go month by month on this calendar here, so don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back with the best of 2022. In today's challenging world, addiction is on the rise. Over 22 million people are suffering from substance abuse. As these numbers continue to rise, it becomes more difficult to find answers. At CSG Consultants, our sober coaches will offer you a path of solutions to help you find sobriety. With over 25 years of experience, we share a passion for helping others just like you. Whether you're looking for a rehab, sober living, counseling, or just a conversation, CSG Consultants can put you on the path to recovery. Visit us on the web at consultingwithcsg.com or call us today at 877-96-SOBER and start making your sober steps today. <sighs> okay, we're back. All right, so like I said, we're going to go through some of the uh, the most important moments of 2022 here uh, at the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. And make sure that you listen and share this with everybody. You can find us here on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Twitch, everywhere that uh, actually has an RSS feed. Uh, you know, so uh, support us, throw us some love. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can always email me at chris at projectsebastian.org. We'd love to have you on, talk about anything that's rare disease or, you know, things that we're going to be coming up here and then we're going to talk about here. So. All right, so the month of January 2022, we were starting pretty strong, you know. Had over 30 days without a seizure episode for Sebastian. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. Didn't have any real issues going on. Uh, you know, medically speaking for him, just going day to day. Usually, basically, I always talk about this. This is how I always feel. We treat Sebastian like a number one draft pick going to the NFL. So he's constantly having nutrition constantly with trainers, constantly with physical therapists, constantly at school with his team there, as well as uh, used to have a pretty solid team here at the house until I had to get rid of all of them. Um, some people just 
well, you know, some people just don't work out and you find out that it's just time to fucking go. <laughs> but anyway, Sebastian's just killing it uh, the beginning of January. Uh, you know, doing the training thing like that and uh, going to men cryotherapy. Uh, it's a really great place to go and get uh, really your, just your health needs met. Uh, we put him in the, uh, the cryo chamber on the pulse bed. And um, I think uh, what they're going to be doing, I think in 23, which is this year, hopefully this broadcast is getting out there, uh, that they're going to be having a new doctor on site and they're going to be doing some IV treatments. So we can't wait to try that out. And, but, you know, we're coming through uh, in January pretty strong. School's returning. He's doing great, you know, dropping off pills, meeting with counselors, you know, getting ready to do an IEP, uh, prepared for that. You know, just the day-to-day, you know, he hits the end of January, no real issues. Basically, insurance is uh, fucking around again, not wanting to, uh, you know, give us the meds, saying we have to pay hundreds of dollars again. It always happens. I don't know about you, but, you know, if you're ever dealing with, you know, insurance and Medi-Cal or even private or PPO, sometimes they just, they fucking drop the ball and they just simply say, we're not covering it. So you have to really get back in there and fight that. And so, you know, we're just uh, doing that. And as we get into the first week of February, we have, we have this, uh, this beautiful day, February 2nd, to have a cluster of seizures while I was visiting friends, my good friend, Tony Grebmeyer in Denver, he has one in the morning and then, uh, basically has one in the afternoon, uh, both of which he was fine. No cuts, no bruises, no bumps. Uh, he's with the mother there, but, uh, Clearly, she wasn't prepared. And really, who is who's not really <laughs> who's prepared for a seizure? I I don't know if anybody is, but uh, you know, especially having one, if not two, or multiples throughout the day. And, and this is the beginning of, of of Sebastian's going back to almost shit a decade ago, where we had multiple seizures within a day and sometimes within an hour. So it just uh, this kind of kicks off this new you know, clustering of seizures. So uh, basically. He's doing okay, you know. I get home, everything's fine, and he comes back to the house. And, you know, he starts off there pretty good. He's doing all right. February, really nothing much. Valentine's Day, it's all good. He's just hanging out. He's doing all good stuff like that. So uh, we're uh, you know, preparing for our uh, first ever Rare Warrior 5x5 during this month. And, uh, you know, it's been really great. You know, Grandma's visiting and everything is awesome, you know. So it was about this time... You know, as we're we're approaching almost a month uh, throughout uh, not having any seizures, that uh, we get some really you know, you know, disturbing news out of nationwide, which is uh, a hospital in Ohio, which uh, we've been you know working with to get uh, you know a CNLA clinical trial, and uh, we had some rumblings that they may or may not be able to do this type of uh, uh, clinical trial anymore because they they basically. Uh, need to figure out how to get funds. You know, as you all know, clinical trials cost millions of dollars and there needs to be enough patients. Well, in this, in Batten disease, CLN8, you know, there's like maybe a dozen, a dozen of CNL like kids worldwide. And uh, I think we were going to have at least four or five ready to go. And uh, kind of just didn't really pay that much attention to it. But at the same time, it was disturbing, you know, because, uh, I was having flashbacks uh, from Amicus. And if you remember early on, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, three years ago, I think it was, 
Amicus basically bought the rights to from Nationwide. I think it's how it went to um, take over all of these uh, clinical trials and, and multiple variants, only to shelve all of them, uh, and then basically lie to us and tell us that, hey, we've got you. You don't have to fundraise anymore. We're going to return the money and you can just go be with your friends and your family and be with your kid. And so, of course, I was having fear about that again. And sure as shit, yep, it turns out that uh, they didn't get the funding and uh, they were basically telling us that it just was not going to happen due to lack of funds. Now, this is before... Uh, we went out there to do another natural history study and to meet with the team uh, who is, you know, this team is world renowned uh, for doing gene therapy research and um, actually having great success in CNL6. And so, you know, we weren't trying to uh, reinvent the wheel. We we're just trying to get on that ride. And unfortunately it didn't work out. And uh, due to lack of funding, they scrapped the project. And so of course, uh, it was very upsetting, very, very challenging. And, um, I was pissed. I mean, what parent wouldn't be pissed? It was, uh, it was a really, really tough, tough, uh, spring coming into summer, you know? So, uh, I <laughs> just getting so pissed just thinking about it again, you know, but, uh, what do I do? You know, we just keep trucking along. Uh, I continue to go to my own therapy. I continue to, uh, find ways to uh, uh, battle this, to, this, this onset, this disease that's just relentless, you know. So I needed to do something different. So it was about that time that we created uh, uh, a support group here in town, you know. So Project Sebastian created a rare disease support group in town, and we found our first little home in, inside this little church out here, United Methodist, and great people. And, uh, you know, it's the those little tiny classrooms that uh, they rent out to you. It was really great. And uh, I found, you know, great comfort in doing that. It was really fun. Um, we had a lot of local parents come out and just, uh, you know, do what I'm doing here. I'm just venting, trying to get some help, trying to let people understand what we're going through. We were able to just, but, you know, hug it out. And uh, that's been really great success of 2022 for project sebastian you know we're currently uh over at henry mayo uh, educational center the health side uh in town here in santa Cruz, california where we still meet once a week on tuesdays in person at 11 a.m uh and uh, of course on zoom so you know out of anger and despair and frustration you can either go hide on a rock or just say fuck it and quit it i decided to just kind of like do something with all that and uh, created this support group. And it's been really, really great for me. Uh, I've had uh, quite a few people tell me they like it and we have uh, quite a few regulars and we're always expanding into other territories and markets. Uh, appreciate our friends out there in Europe, um, the David Rosses of the world for chiming in and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, clicking on it like three or four o'clock in the morning, his time. Thank you, David. Um, but um, yeah, so we just keep forging along and it's been really great. And uh, I found that uh, it was really beneficial for me and uh, uh, recognized the need, uh, a much needed uh, part of uh, Project Sebastian that uh, we found a place that was lacking. It was support groups. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, just once a year or once a 
you know, biannual or once a quarter or once a month. We're talking about every week, week in and week out, where parents like me can get together and share their frustrations and their their stories and to kind of align their methods and uh, feelings with other uh, rare disease and special needs families. So I uh, was really happy that that took off and it's still going strong and uh, looking forward to my meeting every uh, Tuesday morning and hoping to duplicate that in other states and, you know, baby steps, right? Maybe get it, uh, you know, two a week and then maybe five a day, you know, I don't know, five a week, you know, but uh that's really up to you guys. If you guys want that and you guys can recreate that, give me a holler. I'll help you put that together. There's a lot of great groups that uh, that do this, but they kind of do it like monthly. Um, a lot of them are just mom groups, and uh, that's great. But, you know, hey, if you're not a mom, <laughs> you're a dad. Uh, but uh, we, we, we welcome everybody in our groups. It's uh, moms, dads, doctors, um, siblings, anybody that's affected by rare disease can be in our groups, whether you're a caregiver, you know, aunt, uncle, you know, friend of a friend or somebody that's just affected by this horrible, you know, situation and rare disease. Our door is always open. So uh, that doesn't take away from anyone else. I'm just saying that's what we're doing and we're loving it. (laughs) So you can always check out how to get to a meeting you go to projectsebastian.org and hit on the meetings tab and you just click the Zoom uh, join us now button and uh, or come on down in person. We're over here in uh, Santa Cruz. The, the, the address is right there. Such a great uh, partnership with uh, uh, Henry Mayo Health and Education Center. What a great, great support system. So um, the church was great. It was kind of our stepping stone. Now we're into the next phase, which is uh, partnering up with a, a hospital that actually has classes based in, in, in health in all aspects of health. So, you know, you, you go to the hospital, you get taken care of and then what happens, you know, what's after treatment, you know, it's almost like what we're going to talk about later about addiction. You need, you need an aftercare plan and this is the aftercare plan, uh, for the hospital. And, uh, we were really happy to be included in the, uh, the 2022 lineup for, you know, uh, resources. So props out there. Okay. Where are we at? <laughs> so, uh, we're trucking along, you know, here into March and, uh, you know, boom, we have, uh, our third seizure of the year, uh, which is, uh, the 9th of March. And then, uh, you know, we start to figure out, we have these, uh, clusterings and we have these, uh, you know, we have these monthly meetings with, uh, our neurologist, Dr. Sean Hussein, at UCLA, which is just a great guy. And we start to discuss, you know, Hey, what are we doing? Um, Maybe we need to make some changes in, in the uh, the world of epilepsy and uh, maybe take some medicines out, maybe add some medicines. And if you know like anything about epilepsy, there's always a mixture of cocktails uh, of, of the epileptic medicines. But, uh, of course, what they do is they just slow the brain down, which makes the, the, the patient very slow and sluggish. And, you know, it's almost like he's loaded, but it's not really happening. But... You know, it's like a additional thing in Batten disease. You know, you already got the slowing and the dying of the brain, and now you're adding medication to slow down so you don't have as many seizures. So it's almost just like Jesus Christ. You know, it's like some days he's like a walking zombie, and other days he just doesn't respond. So you're trying to find this right mix, and it's been happening, you know, ever since he had his first seizure, you know, when he was five and a half. So uh, it's been an ongoing thing. So, of course, we're starting to talk about changing meds. (laughs) And so, you know, just keep doing it. And so, uh, 
basically we're heading into the end of March and uh, things are looking right. They're cooking a lot along. You know, we're having a few good days, a few good weeks. And, uh, you know, basically, boom, uh, April 3rd, we have our fourth seizure of the, of the year. And uh, it's just uh, it's just one of those things where it's just normal. Now, I have to simply tell everybody that for Sebastian, you know, his seizures, you know, are very mild uh, in the frequency side. You know, I know other epileptic families and patients, you know, not only through the hospital, but they're having like, you know, 10, 50, 100 a day. So for Sebastian to have one or two a month, you know, we're very lucky. But it doesn't, I don't diminish it because it sucks. I mean, it's a total, you know, tonic, clonic, you know, the whole body's shaking. And of course, when he falls, he either cuts his head open or he's, you know, gets bruised. It just sucks. You know, I don't recommend getting epilepsy. I don't recommend being around epilepsy. It just, it's awful. It just sucks. So, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. And that's why you, you kind of have to find the right balance of medication. So you don't have as many side effects and you don't have as much, uh, the patient being so tired and stuff like that. So, um, and then a bombshell, uh, Sebastian mother leaves the state of California and moves to Texas. And so that put a tremendous amount of stress on, uh, the boys, Sebastian and Gage and, and me, of course. Um, so me taking the reins, uh, being, I've always been a full-time, uh, caregiver to Sebastian, but, you know, in divorce, you know, you kind of split up the time between the two homes. So there was never going to be a split up at that time. And uh, so Sebastian was going to be here 24-7. And as I told you, I got rid of the caregivers. Uh, and then during COVID, no one wanted to come back. So we find ourselves in a, a precarious position where you're just doing it 24-7. And so, uh, you know, which is not, which is not on, you know, it's not a bad thing and it's not, not normal because that is our normal. You're just taking care of your, of your diseased child 24 seven. Uh, but I would be, uh, I would be remiss not to, to basically simply say that having a break is something that is very important in this world. Um, when you're a, a caregiver at any level, having a break is always good. It keeps you healthy and sane and, you know, it really helps your mental, uh, your health as well. So I wasn't going to have that anymore. So, you know, what, what, what starts to happen? Well, you start to have a little bit of uh, frustration, a little bit of anger. Well, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, sadness. Um, you have um, relationships that are being, you know, either taken away from you or torn apart. And uh, you start to um, really have these reactions. And you start to have, you know, more seizures. Uh, you start to figure out that you need more help than you thought you did. And so it takes a toll on the entire family unit, you know, uh, irregardless if the mother is in Texas, I'm sure that she's having issues over there. I'm having issues over here. So collectively, we're not really a team anymore. So here we are. What do you do? Well, <laughs> you fucking dig deep and you just, uh, you basically do the work. And I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was really hard in the beginning. I mean, I, it's not that I hadn't been taking care of Sebastian, Primarily, you know, 85% of the time, you know, but this was, uh, there was no breaks unless he was in school. And then of course, then you worry 24 seven because, you know, he's dying from this disease. So it was, uh, it was really hard. I had to find a new rhythm. So did Sebastian. So the rest of the household, really, we all just had to, 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 to pitch in and, and do more. Not that the, these people weren't doing enough before, but you know, 
it was uh, it was definitely a change, and it uh, it basically caused a lot of uh, changes in all of our lives. You know, but we got through it. But alas, seizure number five a week later. Uh, so you know these things do take a toll. Uh, the stress of change obviously has effect on seizures sometimes. You know, and it was hard. It was hard on him, and um, so. I realized at this point I just didn't uh, I didn't have enough to do, <laughs> and so I would uh, decided to go back to school, and uh, I went back to school uh, to basically learn more about my disease, which uh, I'm an alcoholic by trade. Thank you very much, but I've been in recovery for over 26 years, and so uh, during the pandemic I, I started a company called uh, CSG Consulting. And of course, you know, the C, the S, and the G, that stands for Chris, Sebi, and Gage. And uh, we're, uh, we started this uh, sober consulting business to help people stay sober during the, the pandemic. You know, I heard stories about people just getting hammered, getting loaded. There was no work. There was, uh, there was really nothing to do for a lot of these people, so they just drank excessively. And uh, I found a lot of these Zoom meetings that I was going to because, of course, you couldn't go to an in-person meeting during that time. These Zoom meetings were filling up. You know, it was 50, 100, a couple hundred people in these, in these rooms. And uh, that was just insane for me. I'm like, you know, what's happening? So I felt like I, I wanted to do more. So we created this company to help others, and uh, we're still in business today. We do uh, telehealth visits, uh, sober coaching consults, uh, and now that uh, we're able to go out in person again, you know, we have offices here in Los Angeles to where we, we help people find pathways to sobriety. And we have uh, connections, obviously, with rehabs, uh, inpatient, outpatient, um, and all different types of things. But I went back to school to, to really investigate, you know, why people do what they do in addiction. And so I'm currently in my second semester in an in addiction specialty, getting that license. And um, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying the process. Uh, so much so that I had two clients last uh, quarter, and I'm happy about that. And it's uh, it really f- makes me feel like I really have found my purpose. You know, in recovery, whether you're 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 recovering from any type of a drug or an alcohol or other type of addiction like sex or gambling or marijuana. You know, one of the biggest things that they push on you is that you need to get out of yourself and to help others when you're able to do that. Um, you know, so being of service to others and helping others is is how we, well, that's how I stay sober. And I find it very, very, um, you know, refreshing that I'm able to do that today. Because before I got sober, I just was an arrogant, um, self-centered, know-it-all uh, who basically didn't give a shit about you. I didn't care about myself too much either. And now that I'm sober a few years, um, those things aren't as apparent as much. <laughs> Still have a lot of work to do. It's always a work in progress. and uh, You're only as good as your uh, uh, your last drink, as they say. So it's been a while since my last drink, and I think that uh, I'm doing a little bit better than I used to, and I'm enjoying the process. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. You know when we when we started this company, uh, CSG, and so if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell you right now. I realize that there are a lot of people out there in rare disease that are running away from uh, their 
rare disease situation or their special needs situation, whether it's a, a, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, or even a, your own child. And uh, I noticed talking to a lot of people, they're running to the booze. They're running to the drugs because it's hard. It's hard for them to take care of their loved ones. It's hard to watch their children die. They don't want to do it. And uh, they basically check out, you know, pretty much all day long getting loaded. And this is happening all the time, but nobody's talking about it. I talk about it, but nobody really wants to understand it because they say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But I do. I do. I live it day in and day out. Okay. And I'm doing it sober. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I'm telling you right now, when you see it and you recognize it, it's a problem. And you see these same people who are drinking and drugging while they're taking care of their kids who are dying, they basically leave. All right. It's happening. A lot of people are doing this. And it's very scary. It's very sad. And so I'm trying to understand this, but I'm also trying to help others. I'm also learning a lot about myself in the process. You know, so if you need help and you want to talk to somebody, you can always give our company a call. We're on the internet at consultingwithcsg.com. Uh, you can always give me a call at 877-96-SOBER. That's 877-96-SOBER. Um, we're always going to take your call if you need help. So I just just want to also put a little bit of a spin on this as well. You know, along with all this crazy shit that goes into, you know, taking care of a rare disease child and you're drinking and you're drugging. We haven't even talked about mental health. And um, one of the great things about um, what I'm about to share with you is that uh, I got involved into a men's mental health group through David Ross. And it was just, uh, it was great. You know, it came along at a really, really, you know, time, really tough time in my life, you know, because, you know, you think you got it all together. You know, you think you really know what the fuck you're doing. I didn't, you know, I don't. I may look like I do. You may see me on social media, but I don't. I'm fucking scared. I'm struggling. I'm fucking fighting everything and everyone at times. And then all of a sudden, boom, I meet this kid who talks about, you know, his rare disease and how he's struggling with mental health. And he wants me to join his group and just to listen in. I was like, okay. And, you know, so David lives in Europe. So his, his times are, uh, you know, obviously, you know, eight to 12 hours different than mine depending on where he is. And so I was really, uh, really surprised on this, uh, this mental health zoom group. They're all people who have rare diseases and they're all men and, and adults. And, uh, they basically, uh, took me in as their mascot, uh, being that I have a child, uh, of, uh, rare disease. And, um, you know, it, we all kind of surmise that, uh, mental health is a huge issue in rare disease, you know, uh, even the people that are sober, it just, it takes a toll. This is a very, very debilitating. It's, uh, life changing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fucked up. You know, it really, really affects your mental health when you're dealing and struggling with, with, with a rare disease and you're, or you're a caregiver trying to help someone in rare disease, or you're even a sibling or a family member or a father like myself. And, and I, I was just like, God, what does this have to do with me? And when I got off that first Zoom call, I realized that it had everything to do with me. And nobody really admits that either. See, I'm just talking about it, just like people aren't admitting the addiction side. People aren't admitting that mental 
health is affecting everyone. And it wasn't just the pandemic that sparked it. I just think people were talking more about it because people were like really had to look at it. They were glaring. But before it wasn't that big of a deal. People, you know, you think of mental health, you think of that, you know, that fucking crazy person on the street going back and forth talking to himself. But it's not. It's 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 much more than that. You know, God bless those people on the street trying to figure it out. But for me, you know, I have a, I, I live in a house, I have clothes, I have all this stuff. And I'm still struggling. I mean, I get angry, I get depressed, I get sad. And then and, and these guys, David Ross's group, are telling, hey man, this is this is us. This is mental health right here. And this is men getting together, sharing their feelings about, you know, uh it's just it was just so eye-opening. And again, I had to really get vulnerable as a man and say, shit, I am suffering from this stuff. Could this have been a byproduct of my alcoholism? Maybe. Uh, but I haven't had a drink or drug in 26 years. How is that possible? Well, I don't know. Maybe you're the stress of you trying to save your son's life and now uh, trying to help others. I don't know. But it was just so... It was uh, the first time I didn't fight it. <laughs> I just said, wow, okay, I'm going to go with this. And as I talked to my own therapist about it, she was really on board with it. You know, So it made me believe that, hey, you know, the more we talk, the more we have connections, the more we uh, share what's going on in our lives, the more we have the ability to actually feel better, maybe get some tips and tricks. And then, you know, I met another person and another person and another person outside of this group that was suffering or having issues with their mental health. And so this shit is real, man. It's a real deal. It, 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 it really helps me understand why I am the way I am. And it really helps me understand what I do, what I do. And it really keeps me in the now, as they say. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was all because of just asking for help at one time. And the funny thing about asking for help is, you know, that's another thing about men. We're so arrogant. We just don't think that uh, anybody's going to help us because society has taught us that we are the kings and we need to be the best and we know all the answers and we're men and ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, big fire, fire, you know, eat meat, you know. But a lot of us just, we don't have a clue. And I was one of them. So I extended my hand and I reached out to someone. I need some help. I need some men in my life to, to kind of help me in this situation of like rare disease. And I wasn't chastised and I wasn't shamed. I was given a list of names and numbers, men and women, who possibly could help me. And I called those people on that list. <laughs> One of the first persons on that list was Effie Park. Effie Parks answered that phone call. And it was like talking just to somebody who just got me right away. She goes, hey, bud, what's up? <laughs> this is a rare mama, you know, uh, with her, her two beautiful children, one of which is suffering from another horrible disease. And, uh, you know, it was just like such a great connection. And then that person put me in, in touch with another person and another person. And that's how it works, you know. That, that's the support that I got. That's the support that I sought out. And, you know, the, all, these, all these things I'm talking about, they're just connected, right? They're all connected. And so as we continue down this, this amazing year of, uh, you know, challenges, there's a lot of wins in there. 
there's not a lot of losses, but there's a lot of wins in there. You know, I try to find the balance of like what's really happening versus, you know, what's reality and what can I do? But there are some like really good wins in this thing, you know, as we move down the year, another seizure, number six, number seven, you know, multiples throughout the year. Uh, it just, it gets to be more and more and more. Uh, we're starting to just build out more things here with project Sebastian. The groups are getting solid. We like our new home at the hospital. CSG is thriving. Uh, school is really, really fun. It's challenging, you know, and, uh, we really had to like take a look at what we were really trying to accomplish. And I think that anybody that either has a foundation or has a job or has a goal or whatever your role is, you just have to look at what's happening what's working and what's not working. And I really had to just kind of like be really grateful as the transition of my, my personal relationships took a turn for the, the better for once. And it's probably because I got out of my own way. Um, you know, I was really very happy to reconnect with my brothers who we had all been at odds for many years due to our ex-wives and to uh, not really have enough uh, enjoyment about being brothers. And if you have uh, siblings, you understand that we all just give each other a fucking hard time. And sometimes people take it personal and that's what we did. <laughs> so of course it was really challenging, but I don't know what it was. If it was the passing of my father a few years back and my mom is sitting there and she's the, she is the new leader of this family. And, you know, it's not that we didn't listen to my dad. It, it was, it was just something more simple. Uh, the brothers decided to get involved with each other to help mom. You know, my mother lost her best friend, my father, and she had to stay with Jerry and Jerry took care of her. And then my brother, Dave came home and took care of Jerry and, and uh, my mom, they all lived together. And um, I was, you know, really grateful that they started, you know, helping me here. They started to come see Sebastian more. They they started to enjoy coming around. And, and it's hard, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes we as, as parents, we don't like to put our rare disease child out in the open. And sometimes it's hard for our family to see that. Sometimes it's hard for our family to kind of just kind of go, whoa, I just can't do it. It's too hard to see. It's too hard to to deal with. I don't understand the situation. It's, I don't like to watch a kid die, whatever the excuses. And 99% of those excuses are valid because the person is just so scared. But these two brothers of mine, they really came and they just really just put their, their feet to the ground. And they've been really making a lot of great strides with uh, my relationships with me, uh, my parent, you know, uh, Sebastian, and my other son, Gage. So my brothers, Jerry and David, have really stepped up. And uh, I haven't laughed this hard since we all lived together when we were growing up. I miss them, and I'm glad that we're connecting. And I'm really having a really new great relationship with my mother, uh, which has been really, really awesome. And um, unfortunately, my sister and I are at odds, uh, which is, you know, there we go. See, there's the, there's the pin that dropped, you know. My sister and I were very close. And now we're not. Um, death has a really funny way of destroying uh, a lot of relationships, not just uh, the finality way, but within family units. And um, 
I let people have their space when they're angry and upset, especially after the loss of uh, parents, you know, and it's hard. And uh, so I love my sister and she's listening. Um, I look forward to our conversations if and when those will ever resume. So I'm not looking for anything. I just hope that you're well and I love you. Yeah. And of course, um, as you may have guessed, I'm in a relationship with a woman that I live with, Jessica. And, uh, you know, why not? I've been running from relationships all my life. And I just thought that no one would stay. And I made excuses. And I fucking just was a dick. And I didn't want to do it. And I did stupid shit. And I acted inappropriate. And I made some bad behavior challenges and choices. And for some reason, I just stopped all that. And I think that when somebody gets you and they don't leave, uh, it works. And you can have that communication. You can have that openness and that honesty. You can have that partner that you didn't think you could ever have. And I have that today, and I'm really grateful. She's a wonderful person, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. The best part, not only do I like her, but my kids like her too. And uh, I don't know how long this ride's going to last, but I don't, I don't worry about it anymore. You know, most men have an expiration date on relationships, or they, they self-sabotage, and I was really good at that. I don't do that anymore. I just let it come and let it go. And I'm grateful that this is happening right now. I really, truly am grateful to Jessica. She's been an anchor in this crazy fucking life. So, surprise, surprise, right? Family's going good. Relationship's going good. My relationships with my children are decent. They're getting better all the time. And I'm just really proud to be a parent. You know, I don't talk about Gage a whole lot. I try to respect his privacy, but that boy has been struggling uh, for a very long time. You know, was diagnosed with depression, was on uh, antidepressants, uh, suicidal, and uh, doing horrible in school. Went from A's to basically being asked to leave the school and had one chance, homeschool. Uh, turned it around in less than two years, got into a... Uh, an outside program that the school recognized as well as getting a therapist and doing the work there and to basically having, you know, some finalities with his own issues and his demons by dealing with them through his therapist and dealing with his relationship with his mother who moved to Texas. We're back at seniors uh, on the campus getting, uh, I think almost an A average getting ready to graduate talking about college, talking about the future, talking about driving a car. <laughs> I've never been more proud of somebody, you know. He's just uh, he's just truly an amazing kid, and he's an amazing son and an amazing brother. And if you know him and he's your friend, you know he's a great friend. And uh, I'm just the luckiest man on the planet. I really am. And 2022 was really challenging. But here we keep going, though, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So Sebastian graduates college. No, graduates high school. He's in college now. He graduates high school. Amazing kid. Has an amazing birthday with all of his friends and family. And then, um, of course, as you know, Halloween starts around July. 
not October like you think. And so up until, oh God, I think the week before Christmas, Sebastian was living in a Spider-Man's outfit. <laughs> he was Spider-Man. And uh, we actually had the real Spider-Man come into our lives. Superheroes visit made a tremendous impact on our lives. You need to go and look them up on Instagram. Superheroes visits where they visit, uh, you know, children all over the the, the state of California, uh, primarily in Santa Clarita. Uh, but but you know, I connected with Spider Man, and Sebastian connected with him too. So, what a great group of people! They they go to hospitals and they pass out uh, gifts and they give people joy. Uh, it was a part of our run, uh, so it's just uh, what a, what a great connection, and actually got one of Spidey's old costumes, hence why he lived in it for almost five months. So, um, what a what a treat that was! Uh, our first run was successful. The Rare Warrior Five by Five Challenge it was amazing. Um, had fifty runners. Didn't expect to have more than maybe ten. Uh, city of Santa Clarita loved it. They asked us to come back. We're getting geared up to do our second annual rare warrior five by five, May 20th of 2023. Um, you can go to projectsebastian.org and, uh, click on the events tab to find out more about that. Uh, registration is open guys. If you want to come out and support a great charity and, uh, have a great time with superheroes guys and, uh, meet some great local vendors, come on out. Um, truly just blessed about that too. Uh, it's really hard putting on a race. It's very hard to put on a run. I don't know if you know, if you've ever done that. Um, it takes a lot of people and it takes money and it takes time and, uh, it's crazy, but we did it and we're going to do it again because we're just not, you know, we're not done yet. Um, so, you know, the holidays were here. We had a great little fundraiser at a complete stranger's house who basically made his house uh, one of the best Halloween houses up here in the city of Santa Creta, and he just gave us a fundraiser. And so uh, that guy is amazing. And uh, see, that's just what I'm talking about, the community aspect of, of, of giving. And you just find these these gems. They're right underneath your nose. You just have to look for them. And, uh, that was an awesome time. Uh, Thanksgiving was was upon us, and we went out to my brother's uh, house with my mom, and got to be with my brothers again. This is awesome, and uh, truly special, just to sit down at that table with my brothers and my mom and our family. And it was really great, and uh, we all broke bread with Sebastian, and uh, we just laughed, and uh, we played Truth or Dare and Go Fish. It was just incredible, you know. So. And uh, as we come out of Christmas here, which was another really beautiful holiday here at the household, I, I do Christmas right. I think I do it right. This year, I got two trees. I'm envious of Amber uh, Grubmeyer, who has multiple trees in her house. And there's an old f uh, friend of hers up here in Santa Clarita before she made the jump with my best friend, Tony, out in uh, Colorado. But I put a, a tree in my office, a real tree, and then I put a fake tree by the fireplace. I had both. Yeah, I felt very lucky, very blessed. And... Uh, it was just nice sitting here in my office looking at that tree every day. I'm still looking at it right now. I don't know when I'm going to take down Christmas. Uh, 
this HOA out here is not as bad as the last one. <laughs> so we'll see how long I get away with it. You know, we're talking about the, uh, you know, the inflatables on the lawn. We're talking about Christmas lights everywhere, you know, Christmas music everywhere. Uh, so I'm really grateful and, um, and really another really special treat. Uh, one of my old board members, uh, Stacy Roth, uh, her children, her twins are having a dual bar mitzvah, uh, which is called a benai. I hope I said that right. And what's happening is that uh, uh, they put on this uh, this coming of age thing in the Jewish community, and I was uh, told that um, that during these these festivals, that they actually uh, instead of asking for gifts, uh, they actually donate to charities and. Uh, Stacy Roth and her two children, who are doing this uh, this benai, uh, has made Project Sebastian one of the beneficiaries. And I just was my heart was blown away. It was just like so amazing. Um, so it's uh, called a benai mitzvah. I think that's how you say it. Adam and Adele coming of age, January twenty one, uh, twenty twenty three. And so I'm so grateful to Roger and Stacy Roth for donating um, a portion of the proceeds for uh, the charitables out there. So thank you so much. Uh, truly great friends. And just another, you know, a gift, another win of 2022, right? And so, you know, looking back, there's been a lot of great things. But I also just wanted to touch base on something that's kind of like really important that pretty much nobody really wants to talk about. And that's money. And I got to tell you that it takes a lot of money to uh, be in the fight in rare disease. It, uh, it takes a lot of money to uh, do uh, what we do to raise awareness. And really, you're struggling just to, to, uh, to figure out a way to raise awareness. You're struggling to pay the bills. You're struggling in general because having a rare disease child or a special disease child, it just costs extra money. And with inflation and all that stuff there, it's really, really expensive. You know, uh, those days of me wanting to be so wealthy and do all these great things and travel were out the window. They're gone. Okay. I know a lot of people that do that, but I, 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 I don't do that anymore. I think that the thing that really scared me was that I just wanted enough money to pay the bills, you know, and, and to have a decent life with my two children, you know, in divorce. You know, how was I going to do that? And it's just, it's just, it's really scary. It's really scary. You know, you can't work. You're taking care of a child. And when you do work, you're not making, you know, full-time money. You're making part-time money. And then you're missing out on the child who's dying and the other child who needs you. And so it's just a big catch-22. And so the one thing that I wanted to stress for you is you got to really find the money, you really have to understand that the money is the key to the success of having a family unit in rare disease. And I'm not talking like hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm just talking about money that covers the basics. And so you're saying, how do you do that, Chris? You know, you just said it was just impossible. It was difficult. Well, it's not, it's not impossible. You know, there are state supported programs that I have found. Uh, your child can start receiving SSI you can get government grants. You can have EBT or CalFresh if you live in the state of California. 
uh, and you can also become an IHSS uh, person. That's an in-home supportive services uh, caregiver, like I am for Sebastian, where the state pays you to take care of your son. Now, like I said before, these things you know barely cover the bills, but you you have to understand that you need these bills covered so that you can continue to operate with your children, and you also need these bills covered so that you can like spread awareness and have time to do that and to spend a little money on awareness. And I don't think people understand that these little fundraisers, these little bake sales, they don't go as far as they once did. So I'm telling you right now, you need money to make all of this work. And a lot of us don't have money and a lot of us can't find the money. Send me an email and I will basically teach you a couple of different ways that what has worked for us. I know that every state is different. I know that other states aren't as uh has these resources like California do, but um, it really comes down with, you know, you have to have income and how do we do that? I just gave you a few tips and tricks. And so, you know, right now it's one of these things where I have the basic income. Thank God, you know, allows me to stay home uh, and take care of Sebastian. It also allows Sebastian to have a safe place as well as my other child, you know, grow up in a good environment. Um, I, I got, I, I got tired of moving around, you know, uh, trying to find a cheaper place, trying to find a better place, trying to better job, all that stuff. It just doesn't work in this, in this realm of life. It really doesn't. And, uh, it's, it's, it just needs to be said, you know, if you have the money, great, but if you don't, it becomes really, really challenging. You know, whether your partner is working full time or you're staying home or you're doing it all, it's very, very challenging. So the money is something that we need to find the money for the household. And then we need to find the money for the awareness. You know, that's the next thing. That's why we have these, uh, these charity events. That's why, uh, people like to donate to us. That's what it's really all about. You know, I've donated, uh, you know, money to research hospitals and my ex-wife has donated, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to only be told, sorry, it's not going to work out. And so you, you've wasted all this time, you know, trying to raise money for, for your child or other children, only to be told it's not going to work out. That has nothing to do with the researchers and the scientists. They go to work every day doing what they love to do, but they're, they're held by the same standard, money, right? If there's no funding, then there's no project, then there's no work. So they just go on to the next thing. They go wherever the money is so they continue to work on the funding of the project that they need to do that day. And the same thing with these families, you know, here we are fundraising, we have a potential treatment or we have a potential clinical trial. And if there's no sponsor, it's pretty much them funding the trial. And then basically there's not a whole lot of fundraising going on because your child is like sick or you're going to hospital after hospital or you're doing treatments. Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? It's really hard. And I see those people out there grinding and I feel you and just know I understand it really is a very difficult thing to have in this world, which is a rare disease child that's dying or a special needs child that needs constant treatment for the rest of your life. Okay. The rest of your life. And so for all those moms and dads and all those couples that are sticking it out and that they're staying together and they're making it work to all the single moms and dads that are staying in the fight and making it work, I applaud you. You are the true amazing people that I see 
and that I will tell you this, you are doing a great job. Okay. That's all I can say. You are amazing and you are more than enough and you're doing the job that is extremely difficult. Do not stop. Do not give in. Call somebody today and ask for help. Do what you can to do to continue the fight because these children don't have a voice. You're the voice. We are the parents. We will advocate where they can't. That's how it works. I'm really grateful that I get to do this today. I'm grateful that I get to have a show today that I created to help me. And I'm not saying that to be selfish, but if you listen to other podcasters out there, they're not making millions of dollars like Joe Rogan. They're barely making any money. I don't make one dime. I do it for me because I enjoy it. I enjoy having people on this show talking about rare disease. I enjoy informing people. I enjoy bitching to the world. I have like three listeners. I don't care. (laughs) It's fun. You should try it sometime. Anybody can start a podcast. You should make one today. It's just fun. Again, if you need any help, you can always email me, chris at projectsmashing.org, and I'll answer as many questions as I possibly can. And if you just want to be a guest on the show, come on over. We'll put you on. It's going to be a great time. So that's enough for me, guys. 2022 is gone. It's in the past. Let's learn from it. As my friend Tony G says, you know, chase the wins, study the losses, and just be grateful and make today the best day of your life. Easier said than done, but I got to tell you, it feels real good trying. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. And let's have an amazing 2023. Thank you for joining us on The Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. We appreciate your listening. If you have a story or want to talk about your journey, please reach out to us at info at projectsebastian.org and put Rare Hour in the subject line. We hope to have you on the show. You can find us at www.projectsebastian.org, on Facebook at Project Sebastian, on Instagram at Project Sebastian One, and on Twitter at Gaga V Project. Don't forget, you can find us on the Clubhouse app too. Just search Rare Disease. Thank you.